Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay With God podcast. I'm Midge Noble, your host, and today I'm going to fly solo and give you another sneak peek of the memoir and also give you some very exciting updates as what's going to happen in the next few months. I'm very excited to bring you some news later in the show, and so stay tuned. But let's get to it. So for those of you who have been through some of my sneak peeks before, I'm going to read another excerpt from my memoir, Gay With God, Reclaiming My Faith, Honoring My Story. I know that my story is not going to be like anybody else's story, and that's why I love this podcast, because my coming out version of my life is not the same as yours. Although we may have similarities, we also have lots of twists and turns in our own families and in our own lives that we can't tell the same story, even though they're all coming out stories. But in my memoir, I want to make sure that people understand that the journey that I took back to being in relationship with God is a personal decision. For those of you who are disturbed by the word God, just inter intermix with that, whatever resonates with you. I really, really do not believe that God cares what we call God. The divine source, God, creator of all that is, or whatever resonates with you. I believe that our relationship with God is more important than any language that people have construed over time. And if we wanted to be purists about it and be the literalist that some people want us to be, we would call God, I am that I am. (laughs) Done. Said it to Moses. Moses wrote it down. (laughs) That settles it, right? You've heard that before. (laughs) So anyway, so the excerpt that I want to give to you talks about Uh, Not just my relationship with God, of course, but it talks about having faith in people we trust, trust issues. How do we get past some of those trust issues, especially when we're commanded to honor our parents and our parents are commanded to not provoke their children to anger. In this next selection, you will find out how I was provoked to anger and a little bit about what I did after. Okay, so this is from part three of my book, and it's a chapter called Berkshire Christian College, which is actually where I went to school. My dream of majoring in Christian ministry got derailed early on in that first year. The president of the college called me into his office and talked about my major and explained our denomination does not pay anyone to do youth ministries. You can major in that as well as earn your BA in theology with the required Bible classes in addition to your other major. The problem is you will not graduate with a degree that will get you hired unless you are planning to get married before you leave school. I would suggest you take advantage of my wife's new teaching curriculum that she is starting this year. I was floored. I didn't know what upset me the most, his belief that I needed to get married or that my second plan to be worthy in God's sight was now being taken away. 
I thought about whether I would find a husband in the next four years, and the thought of that made me sick to my stomach, and I didn't know why. Stammering, I said, I just started dating my boyfriend, and I don't know if I'll be married, but I really want to major in youth ministry. That's fine. You can have a double major in education so that you can work as a teacher and get paid, and you can volunteer at the church of your choice in the youth department. Here's the brochure. Classes start next week. You'd better get signed up today. Um, thank you. I took the brochure and left his office. I walked down to the registrar and registered for my classes and paid for the required books. A teacher, I thought, just like daddy. I'd wanted to be that when I was younger, to be liked by my daddy. Then I wanted to be a missionary to be liked by God. Even though this should have been a teachable moment, I was still living in fear and denial. It wasn't time to put the pieces together. When Christmas vacation came my freshman year, the sting of the last words I shared with my dad were still burning hot in my mind and my heart. I turned down all the rides offered to me, and as the cars filled up, I was left with no ride home. Perfect. Mama called to check on what time I would be home for Christmas. I told her, Mama, all the cars are full. I don't have a ride. How can they all be full? You all went together to get there. That was a van, and we were all going to the same place. Now we are all going to different locations. Well, you have to come home for Christmas. I'm sorry, Mama. When we hung up, Mama was very disappointed, and I was upset that I had hurt her. I talked it over with Harry, my boyfriend. I'm going to fly home, he said. I don't have money for that. What are you going to do? I will stay here and catch up on reading, walk in the snow, and sleep. The next call I got from home was from my dad. Your mom tells me that you don't have a ride home for Christmas. You will break your mama's heart if you don't come home. Well, Daddy, I can't help it. The cars are full. I'll send you a plane ticket. You are coming home for Christmas. Daddy, you can't afford that. I replied, trying to conceal my anger at him, throwing out money to me after our last conversation. I did not see this as an olive branch. It felt controlling. It will have to be a round-trip ticket, Daddy. I have to get back for the next term. I know that. How dumb do you think I am? I will send the ticket. Just get yourself home. We said our goodbyes. A week before Christmas, the mail brought an envelope from home. My plane ticket was inside. One ticket. I called home. Daddy answered. Daddy, I got the ticket, but it is only one way. I have to have a round-trip ticket so I can get back to school. You don't need both of them right now. Your return ticket is here. Really? I asked. Are you calling me a liar? No, Daddy. I just thought you would send them both. The conversation ended with me still feeling manipulated without really having any evidence that I was. As it happened, Harry and I were taking the same flight. We were not sitting together, but it was nice to have him in the airport with me. When I arrived at the airport, all the pleasantries were exchanged. I felt awkward hugging my dad, and the hug I received from him was the expected aloof hug, not a genuine connection. My younger brother was excited to see me, as was my mom. When I got into my bedroom, I looked for the return trip ticket on my dresser. It wasn't there. I felt fear in the pit of my stomach. I finished unpacking while my mind swirled with questions, catastrophic outcomes, and plans to get back to Berkshire without a car. I went out into the living room and asked, where is the return ticket? I didn't see it on my dresser. Without looking up from his paper, Daddy said, I didn't get a round-trip ticket. You don't need to go back to Berkshire. You can get an education degree at Appalachian State. It's cheaper.
You promised. This makes more sense. I bolted out of the room and down to my bedroom, slamming the door. Thankfully, neither parent chose to come down and yell at me for that in that moment. My thoughts were racing and I felt panicked and trapped. How would I get back? It takes 14 hours to drive it. I don't have the money to buy a ticket. How would I get somewhere to buy it? They wouldn't let me use the car. They might think I might drive it to Berkshire. I don't even know how to go. I'm drugged out on Dramamine the whole trip up. Oh my God. They won't ever let me leave. Then it came to me. I could hitchhike back. That's it, I thought. I have my way out. Now, a little backstory that I didn't use in this excerpt is that I do have a history of hitchhiking. And so my whole first year at Berkshire um, and beyond, (laughs) I was hitchhiking places because I didn't have a car. And yes, people would take me places if I would ask them. And Sometimes I did ask them and other times I just felt awkward always asking people for a ride. So that's my, my stuff. So part of this talks about that. We really have to learn who our connections are. You know, how can we ask for help? Why do we always feel like we have to be so valiant and brave and stubborn? (laughs) And a lot of times I really was stubborn. I was not accessing the people that loved me and that would help me without a second's notice. I mean, they would just do it. The other bigger theme from this excerpt talks about being lied to, being deceived. And even if my dad had my best interest at heart, I was 18. I was making decisions about my future. I was making decisions about who I could trust and who was going to be in my corner moving forward. And certainly I was not getting that from my family. My mom was not empowered to speak up to my father, and even though she might make comments, the final decision always rested on my father, unless he gave her permission to make the decision. And even then, she struggled because it was usually daddy had the final say. Now, those who love me know that I I love my family, and I loved my daddy, but I couldn't trust him. And he had not only lied to me this time, he had lied to me before. So in the memoir, when I talk about my family, it is not to shame them or blame them. It is to explain to you guys how I got to the place I got to, where I felt so valiantly determined to do things my way and to do things without relying on their advice or dwelling on how it was going to affect them. Even though it hurt my feelings when I knew that I was disappointing someone, and that's just part of me being an Enneagram too. I want to please people. I want people to like me. And if I'm doing something that causes them any kind of emotional pain, it just, it really does devastate me. I hate it more than I can say. But when I am called to do something, and I believe now as I look at my journey that I've been called to do some things by God that I didn't see it as a God calling. I just saw it as a midge wanting to do something. And even to this day, I have trouble trusting my own instincts about things and not knowing for sure, is it a God calling or is it a midge wanting? And so that's a discernment process that I'm in now trying to figure out my next step in certain things because I want it to be God's voice. And listening for God's voice has always been very confusing to me. Although apparently I have answered calls thinking that I was doing it out of my own brain, but I was really being pulled from my gut to do certain things. So in my discernment process, I'm unpacking that and trying to figure those things out. 
I remembered this part of the mistrust with my dad, because I think that has a lot to do with that whole father image, not being able to trust your father, not being able to understand that whether he has your best interest at heart or not, he doesn't always have that final answer or should have that, that kind of control. And then you equate God as the father image in our, in our lives or in the Christian faith where I was raised. It made me suspect God. Can I really trust God? God is the father of everything if you are raised Christian, and that's supposed to be the final answer. However, on the journey that I'm on at this point in my life, I wonder, is that the final answer or is that just God giving us permission to be the people we were created to be? So if God gives me a nudge, and I ignore it, if it's really something that I was meant to do or something that would be very good for me, I think that nudge is going to come in different ways. And eventually, when I lean into a calling, it's because that nudge has come and not left. And it's it's also something that feels right in inside of me, in the in the places where it counts. It's still difficult for me to discern that, and that's why I have a spiritual director. Um, that's why I've talked with my priest about certain things from time to time, and and friends that that I trust that have no no money in it. You know, they they, they don't care what I decide. They care about giving me sage advice or or stories to consider or writings to read, so that I can come to my own understanding of what may be right for me. In this story with my dad, I can tell you that those of us, and I know I'm not the only one, who has been duped by our families. Uh, Some of you were put into pray away camps. Some of you were put into hospitals. Some of you were put into some kind of conversion therapy, um, all by your well-meaning parents who didn't want you to go to hell. I struggle with that so much because, yeah, you don't want me to go to hell, but you won't also take the time to do your own exegesis, pulling apart the scriptures, looking at the Greek Greek translations, finding ways to, to understand why your child desperately has to be their authentic self, which happens to be gay. You know, it's like this one-way street where we're expected to understand our parents or our families or societies or the church's belief, but yet they're not doing the work to find their way through this this quandary. And I am so excited, people, about the 1946 documentary that's going to be coming out because it completely will change everything about what people believe about the word homosexuality in the Bible. And our previous guest, Kim Clark, who did the documentary God and Gays, Bridging the Gap, she mentioned 1946 because that was a very instrumental piece of how the word homosexuality got in the Bible. So spoiler alert, homosexuality wasn't in the Bible until 1946. And it was because somebody took two different words and combined them together and made homosexual. And even though they were warned that that translation was going to not be really exactly what it should have been, everybody ignored it. And we've gone down the slippery slope of churches spreading 
this belief system that we are doomed to be abominations to to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we're going to hell and we can't do anything about it. It's not true. My parents held fast, and I think my mom still believes that I'm probably going to hell. She still has great love for me at this point, but she doesn't, I think, believe that I'm not going to hell. And I probably have a couple of siblings that aren't sure, even though they choose to be in relationship with me at this point. I don't understand why that need to be right supersedes compassion for our LGBTQI community. You know, there is that whole thing in the Bible about, you know, not being a stumbling block to others and, and, you know, you better not keep somebody away from God, but yet the whole church system that still believes in that bigotry is blocking people from a relationship with the God of their understanding. And I don't think we all have to necessarily believe everything the same way. That's why denominations are around (laughs) because nobody could agree (laughs) on anything. Um, But I do believe that if, if those people who really sought a relationship with God that were so hurt by the church and by the lies that people continue to, to believe who, who is responsible for that? Now, I'm responsible for my own salvation. I'm responsible for, you know, being in relationship with God, continuing to dive deeper into how I can deepen that relationship with God. And that's my responsibility. No one can do that work for me. Nobody could make me go back to church. Nobody could make me want to serve on a committee or or be a reader or serve the Eucharist. Those were those were nudges and pulls that I was led to do. Because I think I'm just a spiritual person who has always wanted to serve in the church, always. Part of it was skewed by my belief that I had to in order to get God's favor and to go to heaven. But I have always been drawn to spirituality and and time with God at church. Even when I didn't know if I believed in God, even when I still questioned how the world had all happened, you know, I'm not the only one that questions that. I think any sane person would question how in the world is there a God that was never really created and always here. (laughs) That just still drives me nuts. But the bigger question is, how can we come back through all the hurt and all the pain and all the mistrust that all may have started with our families and in our church families and in our, the preachers that we knew, how can we, step out away from all of that fear and mistrust and find that that relationship with God that we so desire. I do not think that it's a coincidence that there are so many gay ministers or so many gay people that went through seminary because we were questioning and diving deep and serving and trying to find our path within the spirituality that we wanted. And some of us were willing to ignore and and deny our authenticity in order to still be in relationship with God. And the good news, my brothers and sisters, we don't have to choose. That's why I named this podcast Gay with God, because we can be not only LGBTQ, we can also be happy with our relationship with God. We can be gay with all of the spectrum of what gay might mean with 
God because we have a birthright to be in relationship with God. If that is what you choose, is th if that is what you're drawn to, it is your birthright. The breath of life was breathed into you. And that means that we're already connected, not only to God, but to every other person living today. So when we look at how much pain we've come through, how much baggage we carry from not only our families lying to us, for putting us into programs that, that didn't need to happen, uh, being excommunicated from churches, being left behind by friends, all of the losses that we've gone through because of our authentic gayness, it doesn't have to continue. And the journey back is first loving yourself, knowing that you are worthy and beloved, not only by God, but you are beloved by all of the saints and all of your ancestors who on the other side finally got it. There is no bigotry in heaven, pretty sure. <laughs> so all of those people who may still be living or may still be not living, however that works out, everybody's going to get enlightenment at some point. And everybody's going to realize that those of us who stood in the fight, kept marching, kept moving forward, kept finding our paths, kept leaning into callings, answering the calls, doing what we authentically were supposed to do. There is a reward for that. And your reward on earth would be that you can have a relationship with the God of your understanding. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for friends who suggested that I talk to a Father Joe at the Episcopal Church of the Good Shepherd to see if there was a meeting room that we could have for free for a group that we were organizing. I'm grateful for Father Joe for spending an hour and a half listening to questions from Midge, trying to trip him up as to whether or not he really believed I was going to hell. I'm grateful for a, a church body of people who welcomed me into their fold and encouraged me to do things in the church and believed that I could. And just recently, this past Sunday, I was voted in to be part of their vestry. You know, I, I have been able in this last three years since 2019, when I started leaning back into church, I have found a home of beloved people who really are walking the Jesus walk. They believe in social justice. They believe in compassion. They believe in listening to Jesus's words and not the bigotry that has been put out into the world. The journey is not to worry about what other people think. The journey is to find that understanding inside yourself that you're worthy enough to be there, even when somebody thinks you're not. I do suggest and really highly encourage you to find a church that is affirming and loving. And in a previous podcast, I did list um, that link, and it might be on the show page, but I'll double check. But there is a link that you can follow to be able to look at churches and, and their write-ups about their church and look for the, the affirming part because welcoming me is not enough. There are a lot of churches that welcome the sinners <laughs> and the homosexuals, but they still b believe that you need to, you need to change and they put you in a box and you do not need to change your authentic self. We are called to be ourselves and Midge is called to be gay because there is absolutely no other way I could be my authentic self and not be gay. For you who are listening, 
you have a right to be who you are, to be loved for who you are. And even though I chose not to completely cut off my family, I have an understanding now, and I did shortly after all of this happened with my family, that I took what they said, but I made my decisions moving forward. And even when I disappointed them and it crushed my heart to do so, I stopped waiting for their approval because it wasn't going to happen. And I'm so much happier today being able to walk my walk, talk my talk, and be in a place where I feel I can expand and grow and ask the hard questions and not be put down for doubting. And I really appreciate that because I do have a lot of doubts. But yet, I know that I can't live any other way but leaning into a calling from God and leaning into a compassionate way to serve. That's today's excerpt. And I welcome your comments, any questions. And speaking of questions, here's the big reveal. So I mentioned before that my memoir, Gay with God, Reclaiming My Faith, Honoring My Story, the book launch date is set for October 2023. Now it actually has a date. I think it's the 11th, (laughs) but sometimes things shift, but I, but it is a goal that in October, 2023, we will be launching the gay with God memoir to get ready for that. I have some exciting news that I'm going to start in January zoom sessions called ask me anything. Now, During the Ask Me Anything sessions, you can literally ask me anything. People who know me know that I probably reveal far more than I need to reveal to people. (laughs) My wife tells me that all the time. Why did you say that? Nobody needs to know that. But I do. So if you have questions about me, about my book, about my journey of writing the book, um, anything that you want to ask me, it doesn't matter. I may not always have an answer if you ask me something. Well, I won't have an answer if you ask me a math question. But um, if it's if it's something that you have just been burning to ask me or wish you knew about me, ask it. Also during those Q&A Ask Me Anything sessions, I'm going to be doing select readings from the memoir. And I'm going to be giving incentives for those of you who choose to do a pre-sale during one of those ask me anything sessions. So those of you who do the pre-sale and go ahead and get your book early, there are going to be some incentives for you. Now I did a a cover reveal not too long ago and some of you came. And so you understand what those pre-sale incentives are. But for those of you who weren't able to come to the cover reveal, I will be uh, spelling that out in the Q&A sessions and letting you know what those amazing incentives are going to be. And I really think that I have a good package for you if you want to do a pre-sale now. Um, So that's going to start in January. I'm expecting it to probably be the second week of January. But if you stay tuned, I will be putting those dates out. Uh, I'll keep check on the show page because I will be putting the dates there for the Q&A sessions for the uh, pre-sales. And also, I'm going to be Zooming. um, And that link, that live link to the Zoom call our session will be on the Gay with God Facebook page. So if you're on Facebook, make sure that you uh, get linked up with the Gay with God group. And I'll be putting the link there as an event. And that event may be in other places for people who 
you know, are not gay and, and they, and if you're an ally, if you want to come in to the gay with God group as an ally, you know, that's fine. There's also, um, other places that I may be putting the link, but if you're interested, you know, private message me on Facebook or message me through, uh, the Podbean app and we'll be able to, to figure out where that Zoom link will be best for you. So I, I'm very excited about that. I can't wait to get in relationship with you guys and and talk to you on that kind of a level where, you know, we can always be together and um, come up with all these things and questions and answers. And, and I'm very excited about doing it for you. So I'm excited about that. So as far as the trust issues go, let's swing back around that to a little bit. You can't trust everybody. And even the people you love who have your best interest at heart do not always deserve your trust. Lean in to your own internal wisdom and allow God to nudge you and pull you into what you need. And one of those ways to do that is just through silence. You know, being silent and going in with the intention that in this silence, you want God to speak to you and allow yourself to just let thoughts push on by as they come up, because they will <laughs> just let the thoughts push on by and then just sit in that silence for five, 10, 20 minutes, what's ever right for you and pose a question, a concern, or just ask to be filled with just peace and allow that relationship with the God of your understanding to evolve. If you have questions about that, please reach out and I'll be glad to share a link with you that I do. And it's a really great app that I'm just loving very much. And so you can always ask me for specific uh, help in that if you need it. So listeners, I want to thank you for coming back each week, supporting, sharing and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see more information and links to connect with me, go to the Gay With God show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. If you are listening to this podcast and are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with the God of your understanding, if you identify as LGBTQIA+, or not even sure if you're gay, God has always been within you. Even when you didn't know it, you have always been gay with God. Check out our Facebook group, Gay With God, where we do a monthly Zoom group called My Faith Journey. And if you want to start signing up for the Q&A with me in January, make sure that you become a member of the Gay With God group so that you can make sure you get that Zoom link. And if you need support uh, to help you through your coming out and or faith journey, go to the show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. Scroll all the way down to the bottom and see how you can connect to get coaching from me. And I would be honored to serve you. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned to see how you can join the Gay With God community. And as always, you are worthy. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. 
We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.